Well, good evening, divers. Hope everyone's having a great day. Feeling some uh, relaxation coming on tomorrow, yeah? A little bit, a little sunshine, I hope. A lot of sunshine would be good. It's good to be in the house tonight, amen? All right, well, who's excited about this message tonight? I am, I am. If nobody were here, I'm just going to preach it by myself. All right, last Wednesday night, it was a fantastic message. If you missed that, oh my goodness, you need to go to the podcast and hear that. It was uh, the beginning of this subject, how to be led by the Spirit of God. And so I hope you guys have your notebook and you're ready to take some more notes. Last week we learned what? We are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. That's right. Y'all get it in the right order too. We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. And so we learned that it's very, 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 very important that we train ourselves to become more spirit conscious and less conscious of what our body tells us to do and even what our reasoning tells us to do, right? And so that's where we were last week. I hope you were as blessed as I was. So remember the list I gave you. I gave you three things that we were going to go over the next two or three weeks. To keep it short, tonight we'll only go through number one, which was the inward witness. Number two and number three were the inward voice and the voice of the Holy Spirit. But tonight, we're going to focus on the inward witness. The inward witness. Romans 8, 16. Just a reminder, because we've quoted this before. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. Okay? Now, as I was kind of preparing this, of course, in the shower this morning, that's where it all happens, yes. I was kind of just playing it through my mind, and I thought, hmm, the inward witness, and I'm going to go through all of that. But the very first thing that struck me was, what is a witness? When we say the inward witness, you know, that sounds good. And so I went back to my computer and I pulled up Google's version of the definition of the word witness. And here's what it says. A noun definition for the word witness is a person who sees an event, which is typically a crime or an accident, who sees an event take place. That's a witness. So, some synonyms for that would be an observer, an onlooker, an eyewitness, a spectator, a viewer, a watcher, right? Uh, Some other definitions are evidence or proof, like a testimony that is giving a witness. And so I thought, huh, inward witness. Well, let me put some of these other words My inward observer, my inward onlooker, my inward viewer, or my inward watcher, or my inward testimony. And I was like, man, isn't it good to know that I'm not the one that needs to know everything 
from my little tiny perspective that we have an inward witness that sees way bigger than we can see. And he's watching and he's viewing and he's observing. And then the verb form of witness is to have knowledge of an event or a change from personal observation. And I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are observing and watching and you have knowledge from personal observation to give me direction and insight. And it says that that means to reveal. To reveal. I'm thinking that is a pretty good definition right there of the inward witness. The inward witness helps us see things that we can't really see. It helps us know things that we shouldn't be able to know. That reveals things to us when we don't know that thing. We don't know what we're thinking. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know which way to go. That revelation that is bigger than us, right? I thought that was good. And so I want you to know the number one way the primary way that God leads all of us is by the inward witness. The number one way. So number one is number one. Okay? A general description of the inward witness is this. It's a check in your spirit. Maybe you've heard that super spiritual term. Well, I just had a check in my spirit. That's a real thing, by the way. You could describe it as something on the inside. You could say it's a, a red light or a green light. A stop signal or a warm, velvety peace. Okay? An inward intuition. It's not a voice saying go or don't go or do or don't do. The inward witness is not a voice. It's a knowing, it's a sensing, not a feeling, because where do feelings come from? Soul and physical, physical realm and mental realm. That's not this, it's not a feeling, it's a sensing, a knowing, okay? But do you know that most, most of the time, we don't really recognize the inward witness? Like, we don't sense it. Most people don't even know the inward witness is a thing. And even if we do actually recognize the inward witness, so many times we override it with logic and reasoning and feelings. Don't we? You remember Pastor Allen telling us about getting up on that roof. And he said... I just knew I shouldn't have gotten up there. That's the inward witness. And in that moment, he allowed reasoning and feeling and, you know, deductive thoughts to override the inward witness. He said that Sunday. I think we can all confess to a time when we, probably today, when we did not hear and follow the inward witness. And so that's why I said last week, we've got to become more spirit conscious. When we're more physical conscious or mental conscious, 
we tend to obey those influences more than the spirit conscious person. And so to be spirit led, at first, we've got to be intentional about training our spirit to recognize the leading of the spirit. We have to work at it. It's not something that comes automatically. Lourdes was talking about how she goes to the gym. More of you may go to the gym. Hey, if you can bench press 300 pounds, did you walk in the gym the first day and be able to bench press 300 pounds? No. You had to go and build the stamina and work at it, right? How many of you guys can read? You can read, right? Did you walk into kindergarten the first day and your teacher said, you can be a reader, and then you went home and you were reading on the first day? No. First you learned the alphabet, and then you started putting little sounds together, and, and then after a little bit you were making these words, one-syllable words, and then one day you could read, see Jane run. And then not too long after that, you could read something like, to kill a mockingbird. And then a little past that, you could read Shakespeare. Could you read Shakespeare when you were in kindergarten? No. What did you have to do? You had to work. You had to build up to it. You had to practice. You had to be diligent. You had to be intentional. You had to be trained. You had to discipline yourself, right? Okay, being led by the Spirit is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. People expect it to be just, poof, I think today I'll be led by the Spirit. It doesn't work that way. But as you learn to develop your spirit and start to follow the inward witness, He will guide you in every, every, every area of your life. It can be simple things or it can be complicated things. It can be just daily tasks or it can be like life-altering decisions that you have to make. God wants to be involved in every area of our lives. Amen? So somebody might say, well, God's probably not interested in whether I go to Kroger today or Publix. He's not interested really in what I spend my money on today. I won't bother him about, you know, who I'm going to hang out with tomorrow for the 4th of July. He's, he's not concerned with that. But when I have this big thing to pray about, I'll go see him then. I'll talk to him then when it's something big. And my question is this. What makes you think you can be spirit-led in the big things when you have not developed yourself and given opportunity to be led in the little things in your life? Right? God has led me by the inward witness in some of the dumbest things. Simple, dumb things. I remember I was mowing grass one time. And on, on the bank around there on the side of our house, there's like this brushy area, and it's really ugly, and I don't like it. And like dead stuff grows up in there, but it's kind of in an awkward place, and you can't really get to it. And 
it really aggravates me because we had to mow by it and not mow over it. And one day I was like, I'm just going to mow that mess down. And I raised the blade up, you know, like I was on a bush hog or something. And I knew, I heard in my spirit, don't, don't, don't take that lawnmower up in there. Don't do it. And I was like, eh, it's all right. I'll just do it anyway. I did it anyway. And I went up in there, and I got the biggest mangled mess of a cable wire that had fallen from a, it was all mangled up in there, and it wrapped in that mower blade, and, I mean, it wasn't coming out. That was the end of the mowing for that day. And I did not listen. I knew, here we go, I knew I wasn't supposed to go in there with that lawnmower. Did I know because I'm so smart? No. I had a sensing that I should not do that, and I did it anyway. I remember another time I was standing, I think I told Callie about this, I was standing in my chicken house, just standing in the door. I was just gazing at my pretty little hens, and they were clucking around. You know, that was just a special thing for me to do. And I had this sensing that said, in my spirit, look up. I don't go in there and look up. I look down because that's where my babies are. Right? So I'm looking down and something said, look up. And when I looked up, there was the biggest snake coiled around the rafters of my chicken house that you've ever seen. And yes, I did shoot him, by the way. He did. He gone. But I listened. I listened to that urging, that nudging, that sensing. Look up. Just something simple. It wasn't a voice that said, look up. It was just like, hmm. And I looked up. Okay? You see, God wants to lead you in every area, even on the lawnmower and in the chicken house. Right? And get this, this is super important. You might want to write this down. The inward witness is just as supernatural as guidance through visions or dreams or prophecy. The inward witness is just as supernatural as guidance through visions or dreams or prophecy. It's just not quite as spectacular. Many people go around looking for the spectacular and they're missing the supernatural that's right in front of them. I want you to listen to these two verses. John 5.10 It says, He that believeth on the Son of God has the witness in himself. I'll read it again. He that believeth on the Son of God has the witness in himself. And Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the little s, sons of God. Okay? The sons of God, or believers, can expect to be led by the Spirit of God because the Word says so. If for no other reason, 
There it is. The word says so. How many of you guys are believers? You believe on the Son of God? Well, let me ask you this. How do you know? How do you know you're a believer? How do you know you are a child of God? You believe that, or you know that you're a child of God because somebody prophesied that you are? No. Do you believe that you are a child of God because somebody said, well, I feel like you are? You would not accept that, right? You are not a child of God because somebody had a vision and said, I vision that you are a child of God. No. How does the Bible say that we know that we are children of God? It says, His Spirit, God's Spirit, bears witness with our spirit. Sometimes you cannot really explain it in human words. How you know you are a child of God. You just know it right down on the inside. Because His Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that that's the truth. Right? You just know it. You know by the inward witness. And so in the same way that you know that, you know you can be led by the Spirit, by the inward witness in all things. You just... That knowing, it's that knowing. So y'all, y'all, you got that right? It's, it's a knowing, just like you know you are saved. All right, let me tell you one really huge mistake that some Christians make, maybe all of us. You all might have heard the story, and I'll tell a quicker version of it, but the story of how Alan and I sold everything that we owned and moved out to Ramah, right? We sold our house. We sold our farm. When we stepped, made a step to God, when we made a commitment and said, yes, we will go, that's when he lined everything up. He didn't line everything up so we would go. When we stepped and said, we're going to go, that's when everything lined up. Our house sold, our business sold, all our little farm animals and tools and equipment and furniture and everything. We sold it all and we went to Ramah. And we were abundantly blessed at that time. And God moved in miraculous ways that we still can't explain how that all got worked out. But it all got worked out after we made a step when we said, yes, we're going to go. And so we were in some good times right there for a few months. And I'm going to tell you, you better beware of the good times. They're good, and we want them, but don't let your relationship slip when you're in a good time. Right? And so we were in a good time, and we allowed our relationship with the Spirit to kind of slip. And an opportunity came. Knocking. For us to buy some investment property. And it looked good. And it was in Oklahoma. that looked like a good deal. And it looked so good. We just jumped on it. Right? We didn't really pray. 
we didn't search the word for confirmation or anything. We just basically said, God, if you make this loan right here go through at the bank, then we'll know that that's you and we'll just do it. You hear what I just said? If you, then we. That's what we did. And that's called throwing out a fleece. We threw out a fleece. Y'all know the story of Gideon? Gideon in the Old Testament. Gideon was being called by God to save Israel. And Gideon was scared. He was a super, super scaredy cat. God had a big plan for him, but he was a scaredy cat. And he didn't really think that he was the one for the job, right? If you read the story. And so he, he said, he made a deal with God. He said, God, uh, I'm, I'm not real sure. So I'm going to put this fleece of wool right here. A fleece is like cottony. It's not cotton, but it's, it's wool. But it's like fluffy. And, you know, imagine a big pile of sheep's wool he says i'm gonna put this fleece out right here and and in the morning if the fleece is all wet but the ground around it is all dry then then i'll know it's you right and so sure enough he went to bed and got up the next morning and the fleece was wet and the ground around it was dry i'm i don't know i'm not real sure can I just get one more sign? I'm going to do it one more time, except this time in the morning, if the fleece is all dry and the ground all around it is wet, then I'll know it's you. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He threw out a fleece, right? He needed a sign. He needed a proof from God. Well, now you all might be saying, well, it's in the Bible, it worked for Gideon. It's part of God's word. Why can't that work for me? Who's saying that? All right, let me explain. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had not come to dwell in the hearts of all people. The Holy Spirit dwelt in the Holy of Holies, right? In the temple, in the inner court, behind the big curtain. And the only people that the Holy Spirit personally communicated with were prophets, priests, and kings. That's it. And so under the Old Covenant, people, regular Joes, they had to go seek out a prophet or a priest to get guidance from the Holy Spirit. They had to go seek someone out that had communication with the Holy Spirit. But under the new covenant, but under the new covenant, when Jesus died and defeated hell, right? And rose again, and that big curtain was, the, the King James says, rent, ripped from top to bottom, the Holy Spirit came to dwell on the inside of every believer, right? And so Gideon 
He didn't have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him. He had to seek guidance in a different kind of way. There was no priest. There was no prophet. He had to do what he had to do. And the only thing that he knew to do was to put a fleece out. Show me a sign. Because he didn't have the inward witness. There was no Holy Spirit in him. Right? Why would we go back under the old covenant when we have something better? The old covenant's for spiritually dead people. You know, I'm not dead, I'm alive. I have the Spirit of God in me. And so today, putting out a fleece might look something like this. Lord, if you want me to do this, then you do that. Right? Or, God, if you want me to do this, then make this happen. If you make this happen, then I'll know it's you, like what we did. Or, Lord, you shut that door and open another door, and then I'll know it's you. You understand? How many of you guys know that the devil can open and shut a door too? We live in his domain, and he's just as good as opening and shutting a door as anybody else. And you pray and God open or shut that door might not be God opening and shutting that door. You need to hear from God through the inward witness. The Bible calls the devil the God of this world. Why would we give him opportunity to speak in our li- into our lives? So it's kind of the same as Alan and I saying, Lord, if you would just... Make that loan go through. If you make that loan go through, then we know it's going to be you, and we'll just go ahead. You know what happened to us? We lost every dollar we had because we did not pray. We did not do the things that we, were, that we knew to do, and we did not listen to the inward witness, probably screaming at us saying, don't do that. God has a much better way of leading us, his children, than some hit and miss, maybe this, maybe that, kind of throwing out fleeces. Don't throw out a fleece. Don't beg God to give you a sign. The New Testament does not say, as many as are led by fleeces, they are the children of God. It does not say that. What does it say? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. All right. So you guys might be saying, well, this sounds so spiritual, so supernatural, listening to your spirit and all that. That's so God giving you a warm, fuzzy, velvety feeling on the inside. That's, ooh, right? Somebody is going to be saying that. you, You may be saying, just give me something practical that I can do. Just give me something. Give me some steps. I'm a real practical person. And so I just need step one step two and step three to kind of you know like you go to the gym and they put you on this program or like you go to school learn to read they put you on a program 
because you got to take steps, right? You can't just, one day I'll read. I think I know my ABCs. No, you, got to, you have to go through a process. So I'm going to give you the process. And if you guys will do this, you can begin to be led by the Spirit in everything that you do, every area. All right. Number one. Number one. Things that you can do to go through the process to build your relationship so that you can begin to hear or sense or know the inward witness. Number one, enter your prayer closet. Enter your prayer closet. Matthew 6, 6, and I'm going to read it in the message because the message says it's so good. Here it comes. The message, Matthew 6, 6, says... Here's what I want you to do. That's pretty, that's pretty blunt, right? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play with God. And just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will then shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace there's that word sensing you will begin to sense his grace when you enter into that prayer closet and seek him in prayer am i right and one big key to entering in your prayer closet if you go into your prayer closet with a bunch of requests and you know telling God what you need and here comes some begging you know you could do that when you're not in the prayer closet go into the prayer closet and enter into a time of praying in the spirit praying in tongues because, remember, when you pray in tongues, your spirit prays, and the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. If you want to get led, pray in the spirit, shut your mind off, shut your physical body down, pray in the spirit, because when you pray in the spirit, you, your spirit prays, and the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Yes. Yeah, it was... Somebody look back. Proverbs twenty twenty seven, Miriam. All right, so number one, enter into your prayer closet. Number two, y'all ready for it? Read the word. Okay, let me, I'm going to give you a quiz. How many thousands of times has Pastor Allen stood up here on a Sunday morning and said, read your word? Every Sunday. 
every Sunday that he's here, you are going to hear him say, read your word. Psalm 119, 105. Yes. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We'll sing that after service. That's a good one. God will always, I said always, give us direction and confirmation through His Word. Pastor Allen and I have found over the years that anytime we need to know what path to take, what direction to take, which way to turn, what road to follow, what decision to make, the Lord always gives us maybe one or maybe two scriptures, maybe three, that serve as a confirmation of direction for that need, for that request, for that decision, for that road. I said the Lord always gives us a scripture. Some people say, you know, the Bible doesn't really talk about this thing or that thing. Read your word. And the main way that he will go about giving you these scriptures while you're in your prayer closet is through your spirit. Right? So, we're making major decisions. What do we need to do? Spend some extra time in the prayer closet and in the Word, seeking His direction, seeking His wisdom. It has never, ever failed at the right time the Lord will, I'm going to use this word, quicken a verse unto my spirit. Now, if I'm not reading my word and I'm not being led by the spirit, how's he going to quicken a spirit? If I don't know that I'm led by the spirit, how's he going to quicken a spirit? A, a quicken of a, a scripture to me. He quickens a verse to my spirit by the inward witness. You see how this all fits together? And it's just my, point, my job to obey and do what he instructs us to do, right? Y'all got that? Enter your prayer closet, read the word. The number three thing you can do, and this is usually when you're making a bigger decision, a life-altering decision, something major you might need to take a time of fasting fast number three fast fasting is a way that we shut down our physical and mental and focus completely on the spiritual something happens when you just don't feed yourself Fasting is a willingness to separate yourself from the things of the world and put your focus completely on the Lord. And it is a very powerful tool used to open the door to greater revelation, greater insight, a bigger sensing. You want to grow your 
inward witness for something that's really important, fast. Now, you don't need to fast to know whether you need to drive the lawnmower into those bushes over there or not. I didn't need to go fast to decide that. That was something simple. I should have heard the inward witness. All right? So be smart. And we could talk about fasting another day. There's a lot to it. Okay. Number four. And this is just getting right plain down to the practical as you can get. Find situations where you can practice sensing God's leading. So I guess number four is practice. Practice. Stop yourself and practice sensing the inward witness. Start small. Like I told Amy one day, in the morning before you get out of the bed, commit your day to the Lord and then say, Lord, what do you want me to do today for you? Who would you have me talk to? Guide me to who you would have me to meet with or bump into. And then when you do, listen, sense that inward witness instructing you what you're supposed to do. You got to practice. Okay, if, you, if your teacher didn't send you home with a little book to read, see Jane run, you never would have learned to read, see Jane run, if just going to school, you had to take it home and practice, right? All right. And number five, which is the one thing that we hate the most, is wait patiently. Wait patiently. You do not have to get in a big hurry about some things. Isaiah 28, 16 says, He that believeth shall not make haste. Okay? Faith does not get in a hurry. The devil will try to push you and say, Hurry up! Hurry up! You're going to miss it. You're going to miss this opportunity. You better hurry up. You got to make a decision today. You're like a Jeremy, like a car salesman, right? If you don't buy this car today, tomorrow the price will double and uh, it might be gone. And so you better buy it today. Right? It's kind of like that, though. You're making a decision, even small. Hurry up. Do it now. Make a decision. Do it. Don't wait. The devil. Isaiah 28, 16. The devil will try to move you out of faith and move you over into doubt, unbelief. And if you're in doubt and unbelief, do you think you can hear the inward witness? He will drag you away from the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so... I know you guys are ready to go to fireworks. So I'm going to close with this. Something very important. Some people will say, Lord, if you could just give me some supernatural sign, I would feel a lot better about this decision. Just some 
just send somebody to give me a tongues and interpretation? Or could you just give somebody a vision and then they could come tell me about it? Right? You do not need a supernatural sign to sense the inward witness. You do not need tongues and interpretation to sense the inward witness. You don't need any prophecy. Now, don't get me wrong. Tongues and interpretation has its place. It is a good thing. Prophecy is very necessary. And a prophet's job is to give you confirmation when it's necessary. Visions are definitely of God. And they have a purpose. But none of those are the primary way that God is going to lead us. Yes? So, so you're saying the verse... These signs shall follow you. That you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's the sign that follows you. Correct? So signs that follow you is what Jesus said was going to, that you were going to be able to do when you become a believer. Are you a believer? These signs will follow you. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay? All right? 1 John 5.10 says this, He that believeth on the Son of God has the witness in himself. We wrote that one down already. And again, Romans 8.16, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. We know what to do. We know that we should be led by the inward witness. Can we just do it? Is somebody going to do it? Is somebody going to do it this week? Be led by the inward witness. All right? That's the inward witness. It is the number one way you will be led by the Spirit. The number one. Number two and three are just as good, so don't miss next week. Because it gets even better. But... I was at Walmart earlier.